Welcome back to the Macworld Podcast. It's episode 394 for February 12th, 2014. I'm editorial director Jason Snell, and with me is senior editor Dan Morin. Hi, Dan. Hi, Jason. Is this podcast 30 minutes long? This is confusing. So we have a podcast, you Macworld podcast listeners may not even know, called Clockwise. It's Tech High's Clockwise podcast, and it's a 30-minute tech podcast from the editors of Macworld, PC World, and Tech Hive, where we talk about the issues of the day in uh, four or at least four issues of the week and it's less than 30 minutes or your pizza is free and we have no pizza budget so um, normally you would hear us over there on clockwise and you should give it a listen if you haven't but with uh, Philip Michaels um, taking over as the editor of Tech Hive which happened a couple weeks back he's still going to do occasional Macworld Pundit showdowns but with uh, with Phil leaving day-to-day operations on the Macworld podcast and with us coming up on episode 400 believe it or not of the Macworld podcast I don't believe it. We you're a podcast numbering denier, aren't you, Dan? Yep. Um, <laughs> we thought we would um, take some shows and try some different formats and and uh, and uh, you know figure out what we're going to do to fill the loss of Philip Michaels in our hearts. Uh, I, I expected to hear some taps there. Yeah, yeah. R.I.P. Phil. No, he he will still be around, but he's not going to be able to do the, the every other Macworld podcast. So for this week, Dan and I are here hosting, and uh, we've got some nice sponsors for this episode that we'll be reading in a little bit. This and, episode but, is seventy four percent sponsored. It's, it's just ads. Now this is it's like the 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 penny saver. It's just a we introduce There's, it. There is valuable we, content in the penny saver, Jason. Do you save pennies with it? I don't. I don't even think we even have that where I live. No, that's that's a shame. So we also have a guest to join us for this episode, and uh, he he is Greg Noss. Hi, Greg. Hi, Jason. Now you may know Greg from the internet. No, um, he's, never heard of it. He he seems to know lots of people. Um, Wanted posters in the post office. Yes, Greg is a uh, software developer. He is a friend of mine from college. Um, occasionally uh, appears on my outside podcast, The Incomparable, which Dan is also on. And um, we invited Bon Vivant. Yes, General Rock on Tour. Um, we invited Greg here for um, the week. Ending in Valentine's Day because I think there's something that Greg did recently that would make a uh, a very good topic for this week's MacWorld podcast. In the interest of full disclosure, uh, I once had lunch with Greg Noss in Los Angeles, um, just just so everything's on the table. Yep. Um, and you was know, everything so on the table at lunch? <laughs> I believe it was Mexican food, <laughs> it was and it was all lunch. on the table. I've had um, lunch with Greg a few times in Los Angeles. But you know, having get that out of the, gotten that out of the I, way, I just, like I just complete the circle by saying I have lunch with me every day. <laughs> <laughs> having having now gotten that, you know, all in the open, uh, Greg, why do you want to destroy humanity? Like, what is up with that? Yeah, why are you a terrible well, person? <laughs> uh, sorry, <laughs> I was just born this way. I think it really started with a lunch I had in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the story: Greg released an app on the iPhone called Romantomatic. And it's gotten some play, and it uh, because it's romance related, we would we thought we would talk about it on Valentine's Day, just as our first topic. And uh, the response to it is also fascinating. So, Greg, can you tell us a little bit about what Romantomatic is and what happened next? <laughs> uh, Romantomatic is an iPhone app that fills a need I had um, in my own life. It's a scratch your own itch app. Where um, does it come with like a scratcher and you? Use uh, your phone yeah, to does scratch. it come with itches? There's, it's a little thing you snap onto the iPhone and you scratch it. 
I'm a software developer, and that means I'm probably somewhere on the autism spectrum. And so I would um, begin my day and fall into the computer, and hours and hours and hours would go by. And um, oblivious to the needs of basic hygiene and my bladder, I would also end up not interacting with my wife. And she did not appreciate that. Um, it was a very simple thing. She just wanted me to say hi. She wanted me to let her know how my day was going or to ask her how hers was going. And so, of course, I thought, what a perfect place for technology. And um, what the app does, it, actually, 15 years or so ago, I tried to do a version of this using Unix cron tabs, and it didn't work out too well. <laughs> well, I'm saying, how did that sell? <laughs> <laughs> it was just, just a personal project. And then, but now that I have a phone in my pocket and the phone can do all sorts of things, including wake up at semi-random intervals and prompt me to do what I'm supposed to be doing. In fact, it does that all the time with things like calendar items and reminders and such and such. And so what Romantomatic is, is just a small specialized app to do that, particularly to contact my significant other or your significant other or anybody whoa, else's whoa, significant other. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why are you contacting my significant other? <laughs> That explains the whole backlash. Um, the, the backlash is that people have various objections to involving technology in romantic love. And I kind of anticipated that. I mean, it, obviously, it's, it's, it becomes a punchline where, oh, geez, our phones do everything for us now. And I expected some disapproving comment from the sort of people who make disapproving comments on the internet, <laughs> meaning everybody. But the volume of backlash really surprised me. Um, over the past couple of weeks, the link to the app or to articles about the app, it has been dropped in front of about seven, seven and a half million Twitter accounts. The vast majority of the coverage Negative to angrily negative. <laughs> That's a good range the spectrum, there. yeah. yeah. Um, and it's just for a few thousand lines of code that all it does is, is wake up and say, hey, tell your wife that you love her. Tell your boyfriend that you love him. Tell your significant other that you're thinking of them, right. that you value them. Yeah. yeah so the, the, it seems to me that generally, I mean, first off, there is a trend in, in our society to say that uh, technology gets in the way uh, and can intrude on personal life and is dehumanizing. And the idea there is people are looking at their phones when they should be talking to people at the dinner table, whether they're out at, out at a meal or they're just sitting at home, that we're, we're too tied up in the technology to connect with human beings. And the problem, I don't deny that there is, there's truth in that, but the problem is technology also can connect us with human beings. And this is uh, to me, it strikes me that this is what your app is trying to do: is is connect you and remind you to connect. It doesn't. We should say it doesn't send out automated love notes that you have no participation in. It prompts you. Version two point should yeah, just go sure. ahead and do that, and sure. then at the bottom say, you know, this text message brought to you by Romantomatic. A Apple so actually doesn't let you do that. Out, you, oh, yeah, you actually have to have human interaction. You can't just robo send text. That's messages, because Apple, unlike Greg, cares about our relationships <laughs> clearly. <laughs> Apple is forcing me to care. Um, yeah, well, that's I. The whole impetus was, I mean, I, I find phone calls disruptive and they're not asynchronous. And just having a, a textable phone is a nice way to just drop a little note to somebody. And so that technology is now available. And the addition of the programmability of the iPhone allows you to do things like have it randomly remind you within set intervals so that it doesn't appear automated. That it is not something that you're just doing every day. 
Hi, honey, I'm in the can, and I was thinking of it. <laughs> and it, I, I found I found that technology empowering. It it has made an improvement in the communication with my wife. And but people just really don't like the idea that something is prompting you to do that. It should be natural, quote unquote. Right. There's that idealism. Uh, I think that definitely has come into play here, which is that you're an awful human being if you need to be reminded to tell your significant other that you love them, and that may be the case if you never tell them that you love them. But is it so awful to be reminded that you can't, you should not put it off, that you shouldn't have to go a longer amount of time? I mean, literally, it's just saying, "Hey, have you thought about?" saying something today about it. One of, one of the things I don't understand is that people use reminders and calendars for everything else in their <laughs> lives. Literally everything else. That's You take somebody's phone away from them and they will be bewildered. They don't know where they're supposed to be. I think we'd all like to think that we don't need this app, right? Like that's what it comes down to is like we'd all, we'd all prefer not to like not to have to remember how, you know, these things. But it's, you know, you might as well make the argument like, well, what if you set yourself a reminder to like, you know, get flowers for your for your significant other on Valentine's Day or their birthday or something just because, Jerk. oh, yeah, I want to remember to do that. Right. Like that's important. And I and I certainly would remember, but it's helpful to have a reminder like that's I think most people probably do that. And yet, for some reason, you just inch that line a couple steps farther and all of a sudden people freak out. <laughs> Well, it's, it's too bad you guys are eminently sensible and agree with me because I've been <laughs> really curious trying to engage people who have had the most violent objection to the app. And those people are definitely all about talking to you reasonably. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing is it, it feels like it's a purely emotional response. They don't have anything else other than sorry, don't agree. Or, uh, you know, people have posted that if you need this app, you don't deserve to have a significant other. <laughs> And I see the point of the app is trying to improve your relationship with your significant other, that you, you are making an attempt to be a better spouse, you know, whatever. I just, I just got a, a notification from Romantomatic that says I should text my wife. So um, while you guys are talking, I'm going to go that. ahead and snooze that. We'll yeah. be give you <laughs> it comes back. It'll bug, it'll bug me later. Well, it's weird. There's a very black and white perspective of that, right? Like that's a weird black, like one or zero response saying, if you have this, you don't deserve, you know, like the only way you can deserve a significant other is if you are the perfect significant other, right? Uh -huh. That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't, that doesn't happen. <laughs> Well, we should also say that that um, just to be real here, uh, Greg, you and you and your wife have been together for what nineteen years, almost. And uh, I, you know, I've been uh, married for nineteen years, and my wife and I have been together for I think it's twenty one years now. So um, you know, I, I think that some of that idealism is also that that you know somebody who's been with somebody for a few years and and they are they're uh, you know they're still you know honestly over time it, our relationships are solid. This is not about proving your love. This is about remembering to take the time, just like getting, you know, getting flowers for somebody on Valentine's Day. It's not about, um, it's not about proof. It's about not getting derailed by other things, which I it's know. It's a reminder to fight complacency. Yeah. Um, I, I completely agree with you. I, the way I, the way, the, the response I've seen is things have not divided up the way I expected them to. I expected you would have a nerd, non-nerd divide with nerds saying, yeah, that's perfectly fine. And non-nerds saying, I'm, I don't Aghast. get it. Yes. <laughs> And I thought there would be a male-female divide with men saying, ha great, and women saying this is underlying, undermining my idea of romantic love. But it hasn't broken down that way at all. I mean, I am a male nerd, and so I, the app appeals to me. 
And that's how I kind of expected it to extrapolate. But I think the young-old thing um, has been a, a clear dividing line where younger people have this more I, romantic huh, idea of how long passion plays a major role in a relationship, um, where you are thinking about the person and you can't stop and you just, they are constantly on your mind. And little things like work and life don't intrude. And the male-female distinction hasn't been there at all. A lot of men are uh, getting the vapors over the idea mm. of this. And there are a lot of women who say, I want this. I want this for me and I want this for my significant other to continue to contact me. And so I don't know what the dividing line is between, you know, how people break out demographically and what causes them to approve of or disapprove of the app. Neutral stories that have been out there, like Mashable did a nice story, and people could make their own in, in interpretation of how the app came along. But like Elle magazine uh, tweeted the story, and they were massively disapproving, which is hilarious that they accused me of being really superficial because they're a fashion <laughs> magazine. <laughs> they, they said the That's app is stuff. embarrassingly horrible that has uh, put an end to romance as we know it. Wow, good job. That That is a lot of power for an app, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. And that was, that was all in a single tweet. It's the most influential app ever. Good job, Greg. I mean, I'm against what you did, but you have the power uh, to do it. It's I, would have, I would have gone after cancer if I'd known I'd had that much power. Well, yeah, I, I don't think it breaks down easily along demographic lines necessarily, just because it's a very personal thing, right? I think, you know, there are a lot of people who have... Uh, you know, despite maybe being in similar demographic groups, might have very different outlooks on this. Um, so I, I, I'm actually not that surprised that it doesn't cleanly break down. Um, but despite that, it is very surprising to me that there is so much, you know, in, that the backlash was so intense because, again, we're talking about a smartphone app. It's not as though, you know, your app is single-handedly destroying. <laughs> no, no, it's the end of romance as we know it. Yeah, I know that's a bit hyperbolic. Let's see, this is the thing is people people love judging other people on the internet, and this is an easy one, right? It's really easy to say, oh, well, <laughs> I don't need something like that, so I am way better than anyone who would need that. Plus, how many of those people who are saying, oh, I don't need something like that are like, oh, that's a really good idea. I should probably yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, you know what? That brings up a second point is... This has been the most viral thing I've ever been involved with, just in terms of the amount of traffic it's generated on Twitter and elsewhere. And that has absolutely not translated into sales. <laughs> wow, that, that is actually kind of surprising. I figured, I figured that would it probably, you know, like, there's, so there's such a thing as bad PR is what you're telling us. So is it $1.99? Is that right, Greg? Yeah, right now it's $2. For the first couple of weeks, it was $1. Because I figured all my friends, well, some of my friends... <laughs> would buy it during that period, and I didn't want to charge them $2. And then I figured I'd raise it to $2 and see what happens from then on. But I, I, no doubt the app has sold more than it would have just by being in front of people. But for being tweeted out to 7 million different Twitter accounts, it has sold just cracked 500 copies yesterday. Wow. And that, uh, between the $1 and the $2 and Apple's 30%, means I have... Um, Oh, excuse me, it, it, it's almost cracked 600 copies, and I have just cracked $500. You should change the name to Flappy Heart. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> put a little Heart. game in it, and then uh, then it'll work. Then it'll be great. And that that really surprised me, because I never expected it to be, you know, to spread like it spread. But certainly, if you had told me that there are going, this is going to get out in front of millions of people, even if it's just on their Twitter stream as it strolls by, that I would have sold more than 
600 copies. Right. And then what does social media mean to the spread of things? Talk about things going viral, but when there is a price tag associated with it, does it really have any impact or is it a significant impact? Well, even in cases where you're talking about things that are just, you know, mindshare, if you will, or advertising, right? I mean, does that backwards translate to? There's there's an argument there that just because some funny ad has made its way to X million people on social networking, does that really help the company that put out that ad? Or is it just sort of people like, oh, that was funny, and then they move on with their day because there's a gazillion funny things on the internet? Yeah, people people pointed and laughed at Romantomatic, and then they moved on, right? Probably <laughs> that's what happened. Two weeks ago, I, w- I would have thought that just getting in front of people was an opportunity to have an impact. And now I am much more dubious of that notion. Interesting. Well... Greg, I wish you luck with this app. I don't know. I mean, you've got all the you've got all the publicity in the world, but um, it's <laughs> Just interesting. All of it bad. Yeah. No, that's true. <laughs> Who said there's no such thing as bad publicity? I think maybe you've proven that there is. <laughs> um, let's let's take a time out for our uh, first sponsor on the Macro Podcast. Perfect timing because our first sponsor is Sherry's Berries, and they want to remind you that time is running out, and you should make sure. To get the person you care about most, Sherry's Berries, for Valentine's Day. That's right. I am reminding you that there is a Valentine's Day. This is going to get me in trouble, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) I should send a a reminder to myself. Uh, Only a few days left, so you should order now. Um, They've got a great offer. I have tried this offer, actually. Last week, I tried this offer, and I can endorse it. Uh, Giant freshly dipped strawberries from Sherry's Berries starting at $19.99. That's 40% off. And for $10 more, you get double the berries. You just need to use the promo code MACWORLD when you order. These were really great. They um, they came shipped in a box. It was cool. They were fresh. Uh, there was some white chocolate, uh, milk chocolate, dark chocolate. There were some chocolate chips, some nuts um, for different toppings on the different, uh, different strawberries. They were really, really good. I have to say, my family endorses them. My daughter... Um, basically had a fit when she saw them because she is really into strawberries and uh, these chocolate-covered strawberries were great and they're very pretty too. So That, that sounds much better than getting a stupid text message. <laughs> I think so. I think so. It's it's more expensive than Romantomatic, Greg, but it's worth it, I think. Sadly, my girlfriend is allergic to strawberries, so I'll just be getting these for myself. Yeah. That, that, that's a, yeah rem, set a reminder, Dan, not to get <laughs> Buy strawberries Buy myself chocolate-covered strawberries. We know who Dan's sweetheart is. <laughs> yeah. Right there in the mirror. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's true. Hey, me. Happy I text Valentine's. myself every day with thanks to Romantomatic. I remember to tell myself how much I love myself. Sherry's Berries does not judge. If you want to order this for and, and uh, for Valentine's Day, but give it to yourself, that's fine. You are welcome <laughs> to do that. So uh, here's the deal. Uh, giant freshly dipped strawberries starting in 1999. $10 more doubles the number of berries. Here's where you go. Visit berries.com that's right b-e-r-r-i-e-s.com click on the little microphone in the top right corner and type in macworld that's it berries.com click on the mic type in macworld and hurry up as soon as you're done listening to this podcast place an order this offer ends on thursday of valentine's day week so order now and thanks very much to Sherry's Berries for sponsoring the Macworld podcast this week. See, I re- a reminder, and I'm waiting for the hate mail that will come in. How d- We knew it was Valentine's Day. Don't remind me. That's inhuman. <laughs> Podcasts. 
are destroying romance. You monster. I like to be surprised by all of my appointments. Like, I like to have them not... Like, what? I had a meeting? That would be a what? great app that only shows you what you're doing next. We could call it, like, tunnel vision. Or what, <laughs> I, like was, literally, what I was supposed to be doing right now. <laughs> well, that would be really evil. But, yeah, that would be funny. So, uh, next, next topic. Um, I wanted to at least touch on... Um, some reports that came out last week about about Apple. Since this is the Macworld po- podcast, um, Tim Cook was quoted in uh, in some news outlets as saying Apple would be making um, new products and releasing them in the future. What? <laughs> Who I could know. have foreseen? <laughs> I know it's it's crazy, isn't it? And yet this was reported as news that, of course, well, Apple is yeah. going to be doing new things in the future. That would it would be bigger news if it was nope. We're done. Packing up shop. We're done. I mean, it was an interesting, it was an interview with the uh, Wall Street Journal. It was kind of wide ranging, although a lot of it had to do with financial stuff because, you know, it's the Wall Street Journal. Um, You know, like, for example, the fact that Apple bought back $14 billion more of its stock, which apparently shut up Carl Icahn finally. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that was a worthwhile investment. Totally worth it. $14 billion to shut up a billionaire investor. I'll take it. Um, but yeah, the new product categories, I don't know. I mean, we've been hearing, I wrote a piece about this on, on Macworld and I thought it was interesting to trace back that Tim Cook's been talking for a while now about this whole, like, yeah, we've got new product categories coming as if to stave off all the people who are yelling about how Apple's innovation is dead. Um, notice how well that's been working because he keeps (laughs) having to do it. (laughs) So I guess everybody thinks he's lying or just making stuff up. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, there there are some rumors out there that Apple was hoping that that you know watch or health related wearable item product uh, was going to be out at the end of last year, and um, and it wasn't. And of course, that gets always played in the media as being Apple has to delay something when they never promised anything and haven't even said that it exists. And probably what happened is they were developing the product, hoping they would get it out last year, and then they realized it's not, it's just not time. Um, we, you know, the, we can't make this for the price we want or some of the technology we need to put in. It isn't ready yet, but he has been teasing that for a while and uh, said, you know, fitness trackers are interesting and he's got his Nike fuel band. And then the other thing that obviously is floating out there is the TV stuff where he's Tim Cook has said that it's an area of intense interest and, you know, they, they definitely want to do some things in the TV space, but they, uh, you know, uh, they're not the, they can't just sort of make that happen themselves there's a lot of negotiation that has to go on in addition so th- these have been floating out there for a while at some point though it is true we we can complain about people saying oh apple hasn't released anything major since the iPod, ipad but um, at some point that will be true <laughs> that it's been a long time they do uh you know need if they want to grow i would say they need some new categories they're making a lot of money with the stuff that they've got but if they want to grow they are going to need to throw their uh their uh, technology into some of these categories and see what sure. happens for what it's worth i think he's been remarkably consistent you know cook as uh, yeah on these messages of like you know hey we don't want to ship something that is crappy right like that's our whole our whole goal uh as this company is to ship products that we believe in so, you know, it's hard to fault him for that, especially when many other companies seem to ship things that they're like, hey, here's our uh, 75th Android phone. Go nuts. As somebody who's kind of outside the Mac, you know, news empire, the mainstream coverage of Apple seems totally insane. <laughs> yeah, as somebody on the inside, it also seems yep. insane. I, I just, I, I can't imagine how you can cover a company like that and saying, oh, well, gosh, you've only redefined two industries in the past 10 years. Get on it. You know, th- there is some aspect of it. That, and, and I was talking to a, 
uh, a journalist the other day who covers tech for a you know covered it for a major publication for quite a while, and I definitely got the sense that um, and this person admitted it that part of the reason this happens is because the people who write about this stuff are bored. You know, Apple just sitting there with the versions of the same old products and making billions of dollars is not exciting for a writer. Now, that is as hard skewed. To, hard and to dis- sell magazines yeah, and blog posts, That's right? as distorted a view, a worldview, as you can possibly get. The idea that basically it's like, come on, I'm bored, do something, do something. But yet, jump, you know, that's, jump. that's what's happening. That, I mean, that is a large part of this. It's And often it's cloaked in the, well, you know, Apple for, to succeed really needs to do this. But, you know, a lot of it is just, hey, we're bored with the same old thing, Apple. This is That's why you get so much um, negative uh, coverage when there's a new iPhone and it, you know, and it only advances the ball a little bit is people freak out and they froth at the mouth. And they say it's going to be a disaster. And it's ne- it's not a disaster. It's never a disaster. But the reality is they're just bored. And, you know, it's a, that's a, you know, I, I get being bored if you're a reporter, but that, that's not. Well, so go find something interesting. Yeah. You don't need to stare at Apple all day. Yeah. Apple's going to work something out and they're going to wait. They know how to do this and they're going to wait until they've got something really great and then they're going to come out with it and it's going to be really interesting and it's probably going to change an industry. That's, I mean, people forget the iPad. They, people were up in arms about Apple not releasing oh. a netbook for what, two yeah. years before the iPad came out? And even when the iPad came out, it was just derided as, oh, it's just a big iPhone. What's the, what's the point? Yeah, <laughs> and, the, and the iPhone, likewise, you know, the, they, they were talking about Apple phones for a while and Apple didn't drop that phone until the moment where they felt it was finally a real product that they could sell for a real price and people would actually buy it. And the iPod, the same way, there are lots of MP3 players out there and Apple bided its time until it could get that little hard drive that let you put a thousand songs in your pocket. It's, I mean, yeah, how do you innovate on a schedule, I think is what it comes back to, right? You don't. There's no, you can't, like, Tim Cook does not have an app that reminds him at random intervals to do innovation, right? If he does, I want that app. I would, I would get that. Um, but it, it is it is weird. It's the expectation game, right? It's like the same thing with the financial analysts, who I imagine are also just kind of bored and interested in like tweaking things, saying like, "Oh, well, Apple didn't sell as many phones as uh, as they as I you know as I thought they were going to. They only sold what fifty one million. <laughs> it's a record number uh, that happened with the with the latest Apple financial results. It was record revenue. And I believe record iPhone sales. Yes. And the response was. was, it's disappointing because we expected even more records, <laughs> like higher records. Like, wow. But th- this that's a way where, where the financial system and the investment world doesn't conform to what um, non-investment people would consider reality. And that that's because, you know, investors want to see growth. And you can have a company that is um, – that is incredibly profitable and by any measure of success is is wildly successful like apple's quarter being among the 10 best ever by a company and it's like apple and oil companies in that list but growth was slowing and if you're an investor and growth is the thing that drives your investment that is an opportunity for a freakout the problem is that so much financial reporting is done by people who don't understand that and who conflate all of these different things. And so you end up with a situation where, like, there's a guy, I listen to the radio in the morning, the radio news before I come into work, and the the local news business reporter always um, mentions the stock price of any company that he covers, and it implicitly links 
uh, the two events. So it'll be like Apple announced record financial results. The street's not reacting well to that. Down ten percent today, and, and they they don't they don't connect. They have they don't actually have anything to do with each other. And I see this on Twitter every time there's an Apple thing. People roll their eyes on Twitter, whatever they use an emoji, I guess. But it's the same thing where they're like, I don't get why Apple does great things, and then the stock price goes down. It's like the stock price is not behaving. You know, it may not behaving be behaving rationally, but it's also not looking at what we would consider like me as a person. If I could run a business and the profits of the business would allow me to pay myself to have a comfortable life for me and my family, I would consider that business successful. But somebody who is in an investment game would look at it and say, "There's no growth. Why would I give you any money?" And both of those things are fine. Those are those are accurate. They're just coming from different perspectives. But when you try to mash them all together, you get people um, having strange comments about Apple and then like misapplying them and saying, well, Apple is doomed because it's only incredibly profitable. But Apple is also a product company. And so their growth comes with the introduction of new products. And the yes. reason the growth comes with the introduction of new products is because they take the time to make the products good. I mean, I, I'm no investment genius, but come on. <laughs> Yeah. The, the recoverage is ridiculous, it is. just pointless, meaningless, but it's incredibly pervasive. I have people who are civilians saying, what do you think about Apple? Is Apple going to be okay? And it's like, going to be okay? <laughs> yeah, you I realize think it's going to be okay. buy and sell you about 20 times, <laughs> and that would not make a dent. Oh, I'm much cheaper than that. They could yeah. shut down all product development and stay in business for like 50 years. <laughs> Yeah, I would be t- – man, if I only had $100 billion in cash and people were worried about whether or not I was all right, geez. Yeah, what's that would wrong be, with uh, That would be terrible. Can billionaire Dan survive? I'm oh. doing, eating, eating uh, dipped strawberries and yeah. caviar. I'm good. <laughs> man, good times. Well, okay, so we've resolved that um, Apple will continue making products, but they'll do it. You know, again, duh, they'll do it on their own time schedule. They Apple doesn't – Apple doesn't make products. Okay, so Google Glass, right? This is not a product. This is not a real product. It's a crazy, you know, more than a thousand dollar prototype thing that they're using for testing and they're using for marketing. But it's not a product. The Samsung Galaxy Gear is a product. But it's a product <laughs> nobody wants because it's a terrible product. So. Here's the thing. Apple tries very hard not to do that. Apple won't release a product if they not just if they can't make it, but if they can't make it and sell it at enough volume for it to be something other than a curiosity. Apple doesn't want to do that. So Apple doesn't want to make a watch until it's got not only the right tech in it that people are going to want it, but the right price and the right manufacturability so that they can make a lot of them and sell them. And so Apple will always bide its time rather than doing what a lot of its competitors do, which is just, you know, is Apple's uh, smartwatch worse off because the Galaxy Gear beat it to market? I don't think so. I love that. I mean, but to again, to Greg's point about like, you know, I love that in every, any other industry, like what other industry would they be being like, oh, yeah, come on, just release more things. I, we don't care if they're good or not. Just keep releasing them. You know, whatever you come up with. What did you what did you have for lunch us. today? Just re- release that. It's a sandwich. Release it. I sandwich. It's done. Coming. Growth. Done. <sighs> yep. Well, so this could that could just be a recurring feature on this podcast as we rant about that every week. Because guess what? It ain't going to change. Yes. It's like our own little mini version of the Macalope. A very, very tiny Macalope. 
Do we have anything to say about Flappy Bird? By the way, I, I, I haven't even. I apparently missed this entire thing because I have you not can't played download it. it. I did now. not. I, I know. So I'm I'm feeling okay about that. Strangely enough, it was weird though, right? This whole like, wow, my app's insanely popular. Time for me to disappear from the public but view. I feel bad for him. Yeah. See, see um, here, here's the thing. So Flappy Bird is a game for the iPhone. It was out for several months. Nobody got it, and then suddenly it became viral, and people were downloading it everywhere, and it became wildly popular. And it's got ads in it, so the guy was supposedly making a lot of money. And then the developer over the weekend said, "I can't take it anymore. Essentially, and I'm going to pull it, and you know, it's going to be off the the iTunes Store, and it is now off the iTunes Store. So if you downloaded it, you can play it, but uh, people who haven't downloaded it can't get it now." I, I, I think it was just one of those lightning in a bottle things where um, my kids came home with it about a week ago and I tried it and it it's ridiculous. There's nothing to it. It's not fun. It's frustrating. But that's what drives people to play it again and again and again because you can play a game in a couple of seconds. My high score is five. Yes. <laughs> and it, I played it like 50 times. My high score is five. And for whatever reason, it took off. Just, just you know, everybody started doing it. And, but I feel bad for the developer just because he was in no position to deal with that level of fame or attention. And he, he asked people to leave him alone. And it would always, you know, they'd quote the tweet that oh, said, man. please give me peace. And then underneath it, it said, attempts to contact him were unsuccessful. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was on a I was on Leo Laporte's uh, this week in tech this week and um and and Leo and Jessica Lesson from uh, the Information were saying there's something to this something happened behind the scenes there's a legal threat or something like that and I said you know I know a lot of developers I know developers who have pulled down their apps and shut down their companies because they couldn't. They didn't like the interaction with the people or people were being mean to them on Twitter or they were they were uh, the support questions were becoming increasingly brutal and that like emotionally they couldn't cope with it. And so I want to leave open the possibility that this guy is just this developer in in Vietnam and he never expected anything like this and he doesn't have that thick uh, you know outer shell that protects you from people being really mean to you on twitter and sending you crazy emails and threatening lawsuits even if they're un you know unsubstantiated uh, lawsuit threats still i think he my feeling is he was probably completely unprepared, didn't expect, he expected a little revenue stream, and instead he got this app of the moment thing, and he just couldn't deal and said, I can't do this anymore and shut it down. I don't think there's another story here. I think he couldn't deal with it. The app was released in May and then updated in September, and then suddenly it blows up in February for no reason at all. I, I totally agree with you. I think he's just some poor guy who was totally unprepared to deal with this. And people look at it and say, he, he was making $50,000 a day. I can put up with a, a lot for $50,000 a day. Well, you know what? Not everybody can take the kind of abuse that comes with being famous, especially if it happens all at once. And money isn't always going to be enough to make that pain go away. So I, you know, I totally understand why he might want to walk away. That's it. After a couple of weeks of making $50,000 a day, you know, that, that gives you a nice cushion. And and the ads are still. I mean, people still yeah, playing he's, it. Still, he's still right. making money from that. But I I feel. I mean, as far as it goes, I feel bad for him because he's obviously just under an enormous amount of pressure. That whether he's putting it on himself or not, uh, how he is dealing with it must be devastating. Yeah, I feel bad for him. And um and there's also a language and a cultural barrier because he's he's uh, Vietnamese. He's in Vietnam, and so his tweets on the matter are are not necessarily how he would represent himself, I think, in his own language, but it's how he's representing himself in English. So they're a little broken. And I think there's some misunderstanding happening there as well. So, 
Yeah, it is. It's sad, not because the world has been prevented from playing Flappy Bird, because it's kind of a crappy game and I don't like it. It's <laughs> addictive, but crappy. But it, it, it's sad because I feel for the guy because I think there's a story here that has to do with um, the entire like heat of the internet, the giant internet fame laser getting pointed on you and you realize that you are going to die because you can't take, you know, you're not somebody who's used to being in that game and all of a sudden, you know, the whole, the whole world is looking at you and I think he just couldn't deal with it. The interesting story here isn't, uh, you know, a technology story and it's not a financial story and it's not a legal story. It's a human story. Yeah. And when all this dies down, I would love to see him come out of it okay and then be able to talk about it. But the best thing about his whole statement on Twitter was that the last tweet was and I'm I'm still making games. So he's not yeah. going to stop developing games. He just wants to not deal with the Flappy Bird thing again. Can we um <clears throat> can we put a moratorium on bird games? I'm just I'm just I'm over bird <laughs> Man, games. I Angry agree. Birds, Tiny I love Tiny Wings. You're uh, overburdened? I, ne- oh boy. This podcast is over. Uh, yeah, does that, I, I, I get it. Birds. Birds, birds. are big. People love birds. I, I, I guess you could put a bird in any game now. You know what's great? Put a bird on it. You know what's great? <laughs> uh, numbers are great. Numbers are way better than birds. And I, I, I use that as a, a way to say that the game that I've been playing this last week that's been really great, that's also an iPhone game, also runs on the iPad very nicely, is called Threes. And it's still available, I believe, for the low, low <laughs> price of one ninety nine. So you could get that or Romantomatic, or All you could get apps. both. Uh, but Threes is a is a number game, but it's it's not like heavy-duty math. It's sort of like pattern matching and and sliding things around on a board, and it's great. It is a beautiful – it reminds me of Letterpress, which is another fantastic game, Lauren Brichter's game, Letterpress. And it's – except this is uh, even easier to play because you're not having to formulate words or anything. You're sliding numbers around and having the one and two add up to three and, and a couple of threes make six, and you try to create as many little squares as possible with these big numbers and – uh, there's a Tetris aspect because new tiles keep getting added to the board and you can see that they're coming. And so there's a strategy and it's just a beautiful, great sound. It looks great. So if you're going to play a game on your iPhone, if you want looking for something don't, and, and are sad that Flappy Bird is no longer available, I recommend threes. I don't know if you guys have played it, but it, it's great. I have not. I've right. heard nothing but good things about it. Check it out. Uh, yeah, Check I've it also out. heard very good things. I'm downloading it right now. All right, excellent. Uh, I will not start playing it on the podcast. That would be rude. That would be rude. And we would hear you because it's got some nice uh, nice sounds. But it's great. And, and it actually handles um, interaction, social interaction really well. It uses Game Center um, for high scores so you can see what your friends are doing. But it's a, it's a solo game, but you can see the scores your friends are getting. And then it also does a great job of keeping a record of the games that you've played. Um, so when you finish a game, you can you can actually kind of like see where it ranks in your games and you can see your high scores, which I always I always like that to be reminded of what my best games were and where this one ranks. So it's a it's a really well done game. Big thumbs up. We should uh, pause for a moment. That was not a paid endorsement. We, we should pause for a moment for an actual paid endorsement. It's our second sponsor. It's GoToMeeting. And hey, Dan, it's a uh, cold and awful where you are, right? Yes. <laughs> so cold and so snow awful and ice and shivering like that. in my office as we speak so winter you know winter is tough uh they they're obviously macworld's head office is actually in in massachusetts um people out there i keep getting messages from them saying uh we all have to go home because there's going to be a blizzard we have to go goodbye and and uh you know roads are closed some of us are already home flights are canceled people stay home sick um 
And and then you've got people in like we're out here in California and it's nice and warm, but the people are back in Massachusetts being cold. So um, here's the good thing for all of those scenarios: you go to go to meeting with HD Faces by Citrix, and you can set up meetings using the computer. How about that? You don't have to fly anywhere. You don't have to get trapped on an icy road. You can. Uh, it, it could be sunny out. It could be cold and miserable, like it is where Dan is. Anything that yeah. keeps me out of Massachusetts is a good thing. Yes. <laughs> exactly right. If we're going to stay in California, Dan. You can you can have Massachusetts, uh, but it doesn't matter what the weather is like. You can um, you can have your meetings and see the faces of the people that you're having the meeting with using GoToMeeting. You can launch your first meeting in seconds. And no matter where you are, you can be instantly connected with your team. You can share your screen so you can collaborate on projects and you can turn on the webcams and just see each other face to face. So if you can't make it to the office, if everybody is stranded in their homes by the by the terrible weather, they couldn't make their flight, whatever it is, you can still meet in person and be productive as a team. Now, um, we use GoToMeeting at IDG. Like I said, I've actually used it on multiple occasions with our tech team that's back in Massachusetts because we want to collaborate. I want to see what they're uh, what they're demoing for website features they're going to be adding, and you know, a bunch of us are out in California, so um, that GoToMeeting is actually what we use to get those meetings to happen, so we can hear each other and we can see each other's screens and we can see each other's faces, which is very nice. So. Here's what you need to do to get started with GoToMeeting. Uh, you get a 30-day free trial by going to GoToMeeting.com. You click on the Try It Free button and use this incredibly catchy promo code, MacWorld. That's the name Ooh. of the podcast you're listening to. So that's it. GoToMeeting.com, promo code, MacWorld. Start your meetings without going out in the ice and snow today with your free trial at gotomeeting.com with the promo code macworld and thanks to gotomeeting for sponsoring the macworld podcast all right let's move on how about uh we talk about words a little bit eh, you don't like words, words? We, we talked about numbers <laughs> with three let's move on to words what do i know about words <laughs> you say that like I like I use words every day or something. It's uh, you know writers we we like words. No, you don't. Writers do not like words. Writers do not like. There are enemies. Words are our mortal enemies, indeed. Yeah, we have to fight them every day. Those words they try to escape. Um, I, I put this on the list just because I was realizing the other day I was listening to a podcast as people do apparently. Like the people listening to this, we're talking about you. You are listeners of podcasts, and. I think it was Accidental Tech Podcast, but it was they kept saying application over and over again, the word application. And I, I was thinking about it on my drive to work while I was listening that I resisted in Macworld style meetings, I resisted the word application as a synonym for like program for the longest time. And my my reasoning was application is jargon. It's marketing jargon. It's trying – it's like an older version of, of how the word solution gets used, which is we don't just have a product. We have a solution to your problem, and our solution is um, – a product, but we'll call it a solution. It's much more exciting if it's a solution. Application is like that. It's we took code and are now applying it to your problem. It's an application of software. That's so weird because I have no, I have no, I didn't even really think about that till you started talking about it right now. <laughs> well, because I mean, how long have Mac programs been referred to as applications? Since the beginning. It feels like, yeah, so like that's to me. 
that is just a meaning of the word application. <laughs> yeah, but that's not where it comes from. That's the thing. No, that I understand there that. Was I mean, like I a- accessories, I, and then there were these application programs. Yeah, right. But I distinct that in my head. That's distinct from say like applying you know a coat of paint or something like that right like right. those are two different meaning i i don't know i wouldn't even they would not even collide in my headspace but but that, i mean that is where it came from and it always bugged sure. me because it's like it doesn't mean anything my my point here is that i totally lost because then the app store came out and it was over yeah, you're, you're their sorry, apps man. forever now does it st- does it still rub you the wrong way uh actually apps doesn't bother me application bothered me because it's a word that's an English word that if you're not somebody who knows it means a computer program, uh, it's like, what is that applying what? Uh, it's like my, your college application is due or you've got a rash. You should use this, uh, this application on it and then you'll, 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 your skin <laughs> no, will be you better. You should use the solution on the rash. Yeah, actually, if you have an application or an app for rashes, um, <laughs> I think that's a, that's a winner right there. Well, it rubs the application on its skin. Or then it gets the hose again. Yo. So <laughs> I, it doesn't bother me as much now because we now everybody says app, which is super jargony, but it's so jargony that it's lost any previous like root. I think you'd, you would never look at that and say, what's that short for? It's just apps. Apps are things that you have on your phone and you download them from an app store and they're just apps. And except, except in those really confusing chain restaurant ads where they refer to appetizers as apps, which I'm like, <laughs> what is that about? They're, they're selling apps at Applebee's now? Uh, Applebee's? Uh, but other than that, it's uh, you know I, I'm okay with it now, just because it's it's it now truly means its own thing and can't mean anything else. I felt the same way about blog. I hated. The oh word blog. man, I hate. It. We used yeah. weblog is, for years. No, it is world. such an ugly word, but it totally won. Yeah, blogs are now blogs, and so I grudgingly gave in at first, and now it seems totally natural, despite how how deeply, profoundly, horribly ugly the word is. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you go back far enough, do you remember when podcasts, things being called podcasts, was kind of like there was a huge foo-for-all over that because, oh, Apple's trying to impose their, you know, the name of their product into this medium that should be free for everyone. And now, I mean, I think that, you know, that fight has pretty much also pretty much over at this point. I've even heard Leo Laporte, who was the guy who got really up yes, in arms and wanted it to all be netcasts. <laughs> even Leo calls them podcasts. So it's just, it's, it's you know, you, at some point you just give up, right? Because language moves along whether right. you like it or not. Yeah, it's not, a, it's not like you lose the war. It's like at some point it, the war is over and, uh, you know, the word like <laughs> You're blog, living in the victor's country. Yeah. What you're it's trying not, to do is you're trying to say, hey, let's not use the word this way. Way. And everybody says, no, we will. And you go, all right. And then you move on because like blog. Yeah. After it gets used for a long time, it just it, it means what it means. I mean, weblog was not any better. It's true, except it was a little less ugly a word than blog. But it's too late. You know, it's still well, the same <laughs> with iPad. It's just iPad ugly. sounded ridiculous when it came out. Everybody made fun of it. Right. And yep. now it's totally natural. It, sure. it, and I mean, it turns out that if selling a good product with a crappy name can really override <laughs> any handicap that comes with that. Dan, do you have uh, words that you've uh, hated? Tech words? The one, it's kind of used in a in some tech senses, but invite as a noun? Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> do you have an invite for that? Like, it's there's a word for that, invitation. <laughs> like, it already exists. I know we need syllables. to make everything shorter. Yeah, the, the, the creation down to one word of something that really should require a phrase, like 
monetization is like make money from and impactful is really have an impact, it's okay to use three words. You don't need to invent a new weird word. I also like the flip side of that when they, and this happens a lot in business speak where they make things strangely longer. I've been thinking of particular, my favorite, my favorite bad word is the word problematical, which means the same thing to my mind as problematic. Yeah. But we just added a new syllable onto it. Why? <laughs> it seemed like a good idea at the time. Problematically has got to probably take the cake, then. Problematically. Problematically. Is the act of making something problematical? Which is now I'm going to coin problemagically. That's my new word. Nice. Also, there's a new app called Problematic. <laughs> good. <laughs> good. <laughs> Don't download it, though. It's very buggy. <laughs> Yeah, the e-words are out there too. Email and ebook and e-reader and e-commerce and I don't even know what. Sooner else. or later, I think some of those things will go away. Right? It's the disappearance of the hyphen from those that bother me. Well, because then it looks like a different word. What's well, an ebook? Ebook. What's e an editor? Email is email, but e m a i l is email. <laughs> you are an old man. Well, I mean, I I kind of feel like. Do you feel like I think there's a point where that goes away and it's like it's just mail, like. <laughs> Yeah, Guess the what? E doesn't have anything to do with well, it. Well, because there becomes a, there is a tipping point, right? I'm going where to send you an the, E message. Yeah, the vast majority of the things that you send in terms of mail are email, not physical snail mail, whatever you want to call it. But like the same thing with everything else, e-commerce. It's just commerce, people. It's just like, commerce. It, it, nothing magical happens because it has an E in front of it. I wish Electro had one as the prefix because it has a nice <laughs> 1920s vibe. mail. I'm going to send you an electro mail. Ooh, electro! I, I majored in electro commerce. <laughs> I am conducting electro business. Hey, I can't talk to you right now. I'm reading an electro book. <laughs> Doesn't that sound awesome? It does I live sound in awesome. Flash Gordon's world. <laughs> I also, I, 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 I don't like. You know, I, I think as much grief as you give Apple for their eye everything. It's like, all right, you guys have carved out a niche, all right? We understand this is your brand, right? You're going to extend that. You've got your iMac, you've got your iPod, iPad, iPad, you know, iPhone, whatever. It's the the people who try to piggyback on that by putting I in front of all their products thinking <laughs> that that'll make it awesome. It's like yeah. the people who made blue computers thinking like that was the key to the iMac success, <laughs> right? Like, oh, man, if we just stick I in front of this, we'll sell a billion. I mean, I don't know, Greg, why was your app not iRomantomatic? Like, I feel like that there's, there's you know, there's branding. I thought there. I was the underdog for the prefix character. X is the coolest prefix Ooh, character. Oh, yeah. It, it just, it was blown away. I mean. Well, it was hard to pronounce was the problem. You still got Xcode. <laughs> True. Oh, unfortunately, we still have X, but not X serve or X eleven. No, that's oh, capital. Man, X. That was going even... way back. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I I also um, wrote down here in my list of thing words and phrases is I I um I do not miss the prefix cyber, which also <laughs> got used, which is like you know William Gibson. Yeah, I loved Neuromancer too, but Cyber Monday is the place where we still see it. Like Cyber Monday is. Uh, apparently a holiday that people shouldn't be reminded about it by apps, by the way. Jason, I do Monday. miss Cyber Dog. That to me sure. was that was the that was the pinnacle of cyber as a as a prefix, cyber dog. Yeah. Yeah. Poor little cyber dog. Cyber Monday. I mean it could be worse. It could be E Monday. Ooh. I Monday. 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 Yeah. This cyber, past year Monday, Cyber Monday good. sounded really out of place. I don't it's, think that's, that's long for the it's world. It's been like five years I, now yeah. where it's sounded out of, out of place, and yet it's still there because the people who report on Cyber Monday are not on the cutting edge of technology, I guess. Branding. 
let's uh, let's take a moment for our last sponsor of this Macworld podcast. I know it's sad that we've reached the last sponsor, but such is life. It is uh, it's a good people at lynda.com. Uh, learn Apple software, the latest technologies, creative skills, and more. Lynda.com, let me explain it to you. Uh, they've got Can a library. They teach me to love? It, yeah, there may be a course about that. It's got more than 2,000 high-quality, engaging video courses taught by experts. So a course, a Lynda.com course on love would be taught by a love expert, and they would use their state-of-the-art studios to explain either the historical background of love, if it was sort of a love 101, or if they want to get the details of things to like maintain love, keep uh, love in your life, like like reminding you that you should tell your partner that you love them. That would that would also be a part of uh, of this video series. It might be a very popular video series too. So uh, that's what lynda.com does, not just for abstract concepts, such as love for Greg Noss, but also <laughs> lots of stuff that'll be of interest to listeners to the Macworld podcast. They've got a lot of Mac OS X courses. They've got courses in Logic and Final Cut, iMovie, Photoshop, Excel, all the all the Creative Cloud, Adobe stuff, all of the Microsoft Office stuff. They've got iOS 7 courses. They've got iPad tips and tricks courses. They've got some great basic photography, videography stuff, all the way up to high-end audio and songwriting and all sorts of things, programming, web development, app development. You can be like Greg Noss and release an app that is vilified, but you got to know how to program first and you can learn that at lynda.com. Maybe they have an app marketing class. That would be good, Greg. You could take that. <laughs> do they have an app to teach you how to take abuse uh, at you on the internet? That's an app to do it. Well, you'd build the app using your skills that you learned at lynda.com and then that app would teach you how to take the abuse of the people who don't like your app. So that would, it would all work. Anyway, that, that's the nice thing about lynda.com. It's a really beautiful interface. It's got not just video, but it's got text, and it's broken up into chapters so you can sort of do a self-guided uh, tour of the, of the content based on what you're interested in learning. The teachers are the experts in the field. It, it's not some random person down in their basement with a camcorder. It is experts in this state-of-the-art lynda.com studio. The video quality is great. You can watch from your Mac. You can watch from your iPad or iPhone. It's available everywhere. And the best part is there's a special deal with lynda.com to provide you with unlimited access to the library, all 2,000-plus courses. You can watch as many of them as will fit in the free seven-day trial. So you can just make some coffee and stay up for seven days straight learning as much as you can in the free trial. But I think after seven days, you're going to like what you see and you're going to want to become a lynda.com member. Here's what you do. You go to lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash Macworld to start that free seven-day trial. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash Macworld to start your seven-day free trial. And thanks so much to lynda.com for sponsoring the Macworld podcast. You know, Dan's the expert in the dipped strawberries, but at my last uh, corporate job, they had a site license for lynda.com. And we kind of did it as an experiment to see if people could be able to pick up some of the basics of what they were working on. And the range of what was available was astonishing. People used it all the time over their lunch hours, after work, before work, to brush up on things that, that weren't related to their jobs, but they managed to find applications for. It was a, it was a really terrific experience. Yeah, we've got a site license for it too, and it's you know likewise it's it's a an amazing catalog. That's the thing about it is you you might think I'm not going to have anything that's that's uh, applicable to me and my level of knowledge of this subject, but they do range from the basic to the super advanced, and in all these different categories, and they're adder, adding new stuff all the time. So it's kind of breathtaking. There's always something new 
that uh, you know that you can learn from those. We had we had designers that were you know brushing up on Photoshop and Illustrator and things like that, but then they started experimenting with HTML and CSS and started looking into coding courses. It just really broadened the horizons of the people that had available to them. Let's do one more topic before we go. Um, I wanted to talk about um, research and organization and and tools that we use to to do those things. I bring this up mostly because I was um, I was listening to some people talking about Evernote, and uh, then I was talking to somebody about RSS, uh, and I realized that I don't use Evernote. I don't use RSS feeds. I don't read. You know, I get all my links from Twitter. I don't, you know, I, I, I have Vesper on my iPhone. I've got the Notes app on my iPad. I, I've got, a, you know, BB Edit text files all over my Mac desktop. I am a complete uh, data disaster, essentially. And I wanted to ask you guys if, you know, if you have any research organization, you know, RSS reading kind of uh, uh, system that you use, or, or, or you guys, please tell me you're not as messed up as I am. I really try. I, I you try not to be as messed up as me. Please. Well, I try. <laughs> I try to do. I have to do as little organization as possible. Oh no! Well, all right. So here's my here's my work. Like so, for example, you know, I see people talk about inbox zero. I have a few friends who are like really into the inbox zero thing, and I understand why. But having an inbox has never bothered me because I don't treat it like a to do list. I treat it like a searchable repository. And because search is, you know, for the most part, pretty good, then, you know, I, I store stuff in there and it's like easy to find things and easy to look up communications. And so and and anything, it, the time it takes me to organize things or sort them into folders or what have you is just more. I, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to have to deal with filing things like that is I've, I've had jobs where I've had to file things. And like to me, that feels like work and I don't care enough and it doesn't really help me in the long run. So my system is very simple. It's like if it's something I need to reply to, I flag it. And then when I reply to it, I unflag it. Done. Everything else can stay in my inbox. I honestly don't care. Um, so it's, you know, for me, that's the lowest, it's the lowest sort of, uh, path of least resistance, right? Like it's, I don't want to spend the time carefully filing everything because to me that's, that's wasted time because I'm not going to do anything with that in the future. If I need something, I will search for it. What about notes? Do you take, uh, do you take notes of meetings and things like that? And I have always been terrible at notes in college, could not take notes. I just, I it wasn't something I was ever very good at in college or high school. Um, I had a friend once uh, while I was taking an English class and she looked over and she was like, she told me, I was like, oh yeah, I was really surprised because I, I looked over during the middle of class and you were actually writing your notebook. And then I looked closer and realized you were writing something that had nothing at all to do with the class we were taking. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I never, it just was something I was had never really developed any skills for. And while that hurt me in probably in some ways, I happened to, like, I had good retention for that kind of detail in in college, which I no longer have as good as I did then. But yeah, I, I don't do it. I, occasionally, if I need to write something down and remember it, I often will just use the Notes app on, on iOS or, or the Mac because it syncs and it's seamless. Um, or sometimes if it's something I, that I want a little more flexibility on, I'll use a simple note. But that's pretty much it. Mm. And what about RSS? Do you? Uh, I do a- have RSS because for so long I have covered news stuff. And while I do use Twitter a lot, Twitter is still somewhat self-selective. Um, so while I often find out about things first on Twitter, I often get more depth on RSS or I pick up things that just didn't get picked up by my Twitter stream, right? There's, uh, you know, I sort of get like the top 80% 
on Twitter generally, but sometimes there's interesting stuff in that 20% that doesn't make it to anybody that you follow. Um, so for that, I still follow probably, I don't know, 30 or 40 sites on RSS with, with differing levels of updates. Most of them aren't like huge volume update sites. Like a lot of them are personal blogs and stuff like that that update, you know, a couple times a week. Um, so it's a balance. I'd like to reduce RSS stuff in some ways, but I honestly, right now I still feel like there's too much stuff that doesn't get picked up by Twitter that it's it's tricky for me when trying to keep abreast of the news. Greg, what about you? Are you a are you? It sounds like Dan's got a very similar similar system to me, and that he doesn't have one. Do you have one? I I have tried multiple times. I tried the getting things done um, for a while, and it and it worked for a while until I fell off the horse. And I have tried. Well, that was your mistake: is using a <laughs> horse as an organizational system. They're getting a horse done. Um, I've tried like using Dropbox. Um, I love Dropbox, and I use it for one offs, but just to keep everything in Dropbox. And my problem is that I need – like email for me is ubiquitous. And so if I need to write myself a note, I mail it to myself. Hmm. And then I resolve it however I resolve it in my inbox. And that's not the right way to do it. I, I use like Remember the Milk for doing things around the house, just a, a reminder app. Um, I use an app called Romantomatic to text my wife. <laughs> Never heard of it. Sounds terrible. But Don't no, I haven't say. found anything that feels totally natural. Um, I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah, it, it just it, – it's never – I'll get on something and I'll try it for a little while and either I drop it right away because it doesn't work or it feels like it's going to work and then for whatever reason, I drift away from it. If it makes your life harder, like what's what's the point, right? Like that's, that's what it comes down to for me is like if it really is going to take up that much of your brain space to figure out how to organize things, that's time that you could be using to like – do stuff. But it's, I, I would love to have this stuff available to me. Like I, I had originally, I had spent some time putting like all of my need to know stuff in Google docs. So wherever I was, you know, I could bring it up and say, oh, the last time I had the oil change in the car was here. And then I just never updated it again. I, I, I've tried, uh, Evernote a bunch of times and I've got all sorts of random notes in there, but I never seem to come back to it because it it seems like you really do need that framework of like I need to I need to commit to using this for everything, and I I just don't do it. But the downside is that I don't know where anything is other than like spotlight searches. <laughs> it never becomes automatic. It's when I was doing getting things done, I did it I did it successfully for two years, and I would walk into a supermarket, take out my phone, look at the errands tag, and say, Ah, oh, okay, I need to pick up you know milk. I did that successfully to, for two years, and it felt great. I mean, you have you have you do not know the thrill of going to like Home Depot and walking out with six things from one trip um, when you're actually organized. Um, but it it never stuck. It was always an effort, and once you stop putting in that effort, once it stops feeling natural or being automatic, it, it just doesn't sustain itself. I want an implant. <laughs> I want something in my brain that will make it the way it's supposed to be. So ru- ruining romance forever was not enough for you is what you're saying. Oh, you, no. I, you, I intend to ruin everything. all aspects of humanity. All right. Good. Beauty is next on my list. Okay, good. In terms of abstract concepts that you will yeah. destroy. Well, that's good to know. Well, thanks for being on the Macworld Podcast, Greg. <laughs> it was my pleasure. On your way to world domination or ruination. Something like that. Dan? What do you think? Yes, have, we, uh, have we done enough for, uh, for this episode? We've done enough damage, I think. Fair enough. Uh, until next time when we destroy some other abstract concept. There's always time for more damage. 
So thanks to everybody out there for listening to the Macworld Podcast. I think Chris Breen will be joining you with perhaps some guests next week. We're trying some different stuff for the next few weeks, and then we'll figure out what we're going to do um, in the long run. But until then, I'll remind you to leave us your feedback. Send an email to podcast at macworld.com. And be sure to review the podcast on iTunes. Uh, thank, thank you, Greg Noss. Thank you, Dan Morin. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. Uh, thanks to our sponsors, GoToMeeting, Sherry's Berries, and Lynda.com. And we'll see you next time. Not me particularly, but someone. We'll see you next time on the Macro Podcast. Mm-hmm.